There's no rules! Shoot lower score. There's one rule! Welcome back to the Champions Playbook, where we are inside the Persimmon Club here at Franklin Bridge. Uh, normally, we do these in the studio, and the studio's been awesome for us over the past, I don't know, three or four months. Uh, but we're back in the OG location here in the Persimmon Pub. Now, it's getting a little too cold to do uh, kind of a last-of-the-year blowout on the back porch, but we still encourage you guys to come every other Wednesday to the Persimmon Pub or the studio. We'll let you know on social media. That's at Golf, two S's, two E's, uh, where we're going to be so that you guys can come and tune in because we still have our awesome guest, Miss Sue I. Lim. And uh, we had an amazing podcast that we just did. It was almost an hour long, which is fantastic. So if you guys haven't listened to that one, I would encourage you to pause this one right now and go listen to that previous one because we're going to be building off a lot of the topics that we talked about on the last episode. So um, a few things before we get into the podcast. Number one is we want to thank Strixon. Uh, we trust them with our game and, and we appreciate them uh, doing everything they can to improve our games. So thank you, Strixon, for sponsoring the Champions Playbook. Also, too, we have a new sponsor, Arcos. They are sponsoring Cracking the Code, which is Scott's winter program this, this, uh, this winter. And uh, so we're going to men be mentioning them on the Champions Playbook, too. What Arcos is, it's a one-of-a-kind shot tracking system where you basically uh, take a sensor and screw it onto the butt of your golf club. And it'll then track every single shot that you hit. So I was out there playing with it today, and there's a little clip that you can wear on your belt that also GPS tracks you. And so you go around the course, and the sensors will detect a shot and then just kind of put the pieces together until it realizes where you are on the hole and what you ended up scoring on the hole. So it was a really cool thing to uh, experience. And after a certain amount of holes, there's actually a caddy feature where the caddy will recommend what shot you should hit in a certain location. It even knows wind patterns and everything. Everything, which is really cool. So thank you, Arcos. If you guys want to get your hands on some Arcos gear, make sure to go and, and when you're checking out, there's going to be a promo code box. Our promo code, we got our own promo code. It's it's one rule 15, O-N-E-R-U-L-E-1-5. Uh, you can get 15% off your purchase from Arcos. So thank you, Arcos, for sponsoring Cracking the Code this winter and this episode of the Champions Playbook. So, Scott, why don't you kick us off? We have Sue I here. Tell us what we're yeah. going to be talking about well, on this episode. Some of you, before I enter what we're going to do with this podcast, will be like, well, I don't, I don't apply to this category, um, so I'm going to check this one out. Uh, I encourage you not to do that. Um, We're going to be talking about how it applies to you, the person listening. Correct. So you're going you're to get both, um, but bear with us as we go through some of these principles. Uh, but it's really looking at developing junior golfers and college golfers into elite players. Well, and let's be honest, too. A lot of the people listening right now, even though they're not juniors or college players, sometimes they're at the level of a, of a high-end high junior or a college player. So in some cases, these words might not apply to you, but the principles definitely will. Yeah, I, I actually got a text from a, uh, a young man. Uh, actually, it's his dad. Uh, let's see if I can find it really fast. How quickly can I do this? Um, he said, uh, a, uh, I'm not going to give the young man's name. Um, He's going to see you on 30 Minutes on Thursday. Ended up getting fifth in his last event in the Hurricane Junior Golf Tour. Saturday was rough. Um, bogey golf on the front, turned it around the back, had two bad swings, shot 13 over. Uh, Sunday was one of the best rounds he has played, plus one for the day. 
da 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 da. Had an eagle foot, 18-foot eagle putt on 18, lipped it out. Bummed about Saturday, but he was listening to your podcast Saturday evening after the round, after the first round, could have led to the turnaround. So he's a young man. I think he's 14, uh, listens to our podcast on the regular. So it's kind of cool. So cool. So cool. This one is for him. He'll know who he is if he's listening. So we're going to talk about that, uh, specifically how um, Suai develops her juniors there and how we handle adversity and things like that. Um, So... And Suai, before we start, for those of the people who, who didn't listen to our last episode, can you give us just a brief overview of your golf journey, you know, college, uh, how many years you had on, on tour, and then what you're doing now afterwards? Uh, went to University of South Carolina, go Gamecocks, uh, <laughs> for college. I uh, was there for four years, uh, had, had a great uh, college uh, career. Uh, then after that, played on the uh, Futures Tour, which is kind of the step-up tour for the LPGA, for two years. And then after that, got my card on the LPGA, played there for 10 years, and then decided I got too old <laughs> and uh, decided to retire from playing professional golf. Uh, and then I was uh, apprenticing or teaching with uh, Hank Johnson uh, in Birmingham, Alabama for four years and then uh, got an opportunity to go back to Malaysia uh, to teach. And then I did that for a couple years. I think it was about almost four years. And then got a uh, opportunity again uh, to start my own golf academy. So I started Masters Golf Performance um, and have been going gangbusters after COVID. Scott, she's a she's a professional co- podcaster. She did that. I know. She did that beautifully. I, I was like, I wonder how she's gonna do. She smoked me. That's she, okay. She did it beautifully. That's why I'm I'm not Yoda yet. I'm still a all that Jedi media Knight. training on the LPGA. That's right. That's she's right, got yeah. way more years of training than I do in that category. Uh, so yeah, if, um, I've really so we kind of did kind of got TPI Junior Golf started at Greystone together and. I got trained, did my TPI training. She was already a couple steps ahead there. But uh, that was kind of my first introduction of, like, learning more about total player development rather than just the golf side. Um, And you can get too heavy on one side or the other at times. So, you know, there's always that balance. Um, But even as she came back from Malaysia, because she would come back about every year, spend a little time, you know, got some input from her on the program we were running, asking about things she was doing well, we were doing well. So it was kind of a nice... Uh, back and forth, but a great chance for me to learn. So there's some things I've picked up from her that I like to keep, and um, some of my adults know about the hot seat uh, that I've put together when we do the free clinics here or or clinics. It's like, yeah, I'm going to pull you in front of everybody, and you're going you're gonna to have to execute the movement we worked on in front of five or six other adults. Like, it be, Because guess what? When you go play, you have those same experiences. So why not do it now and why not let me be there to help coach you through that? So we're going to talk a little bit about how we do that from the junior side um, and how that ties in for you. So, so if you'll take us through, like, uh, I'm assuming you're still doing a lot of the TPI development model or maybe you've kind of restructured a little I've, bit. I've had to restructure a little bit just because of COVID and just group classes were uh, limited as a result. That's right. So we had to restructure a little bit. Um, since doing that, I've also gone uh, back into individual uh, coaching and letting my instructors run the group classes now. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, so it lets you pull into the area where your expertise really gets to shine. Uh, you know, that's kind of learning that separation of, like, 
I don't need to be in all of those little things as long as they're developed and trained to be able to right. handle the pieces that we know we're supposed to be working on. So right. um, I guess my first question would be like, at least here in the States, one of the weaknesses that I see, um, and I think this is very U.S. cultural, I don't know if it's world cultural, but is we, you know, you heard of helicopter parents, we're past helicopter parenting, we are lawnmower parents, we just plow the ground before them so that everything's smooth and easy. Um, I think it's important that we help kids learn how to handle adversity. How do you do that where you're at? Um, what struggles do you see with kids in that? Are there differences between gender, male, female? Like, how do you develop that? I guess we call it mental toughness, but the, just the ability to handle adversity. Well, and one thing, too, before Shuai answers that is we talked on the last podcast about how you both had experience with Hank and some of the nuances that you see in a student. I'd love to also hear you talk about what you look at when you're starting to develop a junior as well. So, yeah. Did you get that question? I did. <laughs> That's um, a lot, it's, sorry. It's, it's, it's multi-layered. Just um, like they do on the tour. Uh, <laughs> this question has three parts. First question, second question, third question. Go. It's multi-layered. Um, okay, so the first thing that I look at with junior golfers that start to work with me is um, obviously there's a, there's a technical soundness that needs to be had, um, first of all. Um, the other thing I do is uh, the first thing uh, – and, and when, when I do that, part of that first lesson is usually an interview with them um, and also their parents. Um, because I think it's, it's very important that we all get to the same um, page to start off with. Lots of times, mom and dad have their idea of what should happen. Kid may or may not agree. And sometimes I have to kind of referee between the two. So it's important because from there I can see the dynamic on who's really uh, steering the boat. And so once that happens, I will at some point be able to pull the kids aside and, and chat with them and say, so what do you really want? And that's usually when mom and dad's not around. Um, it's important for that because sometimes um, the kid learns not to say anything when mom and dad are around. And so that's where I, I sometimes will, I have a nice seating area that's air conditioned so the parents can, why don't you chill out here, we're gonna go putt for a bit. And so, um, and sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, mom and dad still come around, but usually maybe after the second or third lesson, they may just kind of back off because they know work's being done. Um, it's, it's hard because, and I, and I always have a, a conversation with parents sometimes saying that, just because you're trying to make it easier for them doesn't make it better for them. There has to be a little struggle because until they, until they, 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 they struggle, they're not going to um, retain as well. And, and, I like, and I like a story that was told to me about um, a caterpillar coming out of its cocoon. And I'm not sure if you've heard this story before. Yeah, I before. love this story. This is great. And this is probably one of my favorite stories about struggle. And as a caterpillar is emerging from the cocoon to become a butterfly, um, y someone saw the caterpillar struggle. And they were like, oh, I'm not sure if they're going to make it. 
So they, they took a little scissors and they tried to snip the cocoon a little bit to make it easier. And eventually the caterpillar emerged, the, the butterfly emerged, but the wings were kind of droopy. And so they were like, okay, well maybe give it a bit of time and, and it'll, it'll kind of take shape, right? Uh, it never did, and the, 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 the butterfly died. And the, 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 what happened was, and this, the explanation that, was, that I read, was that there needed to be the struggle for the, the butterfly to be able to push the juices. There's some kind of uh, liquid that's, as they struggle, it gets pushed into the wings, and that actually hardens the wings so that the wings can fly. But because there was no struggle, that fluid remained in the body, which caused the butterfly to die. And so I love that story because it showed that adversity or struggle has a huge part in development. And so one of the things in this, <laughs> what Scott was wanting me to share, is that when I did group classes, I would create group, act uh, like a challenge that was actually so ridiculously hard, it was actually designed for them to fail. Is there an example, the, a quick example you might be able to give? Um, oh, goodness. There were so many um, crazy ones. I think one of the, the, the ones that I did originally was to make 12 putts in a row from 3 feet, 12 putts in a row from 4 feet, 12 putts in a row from five feet, and 12 putts in a row from six feet. And you had to do it, I mean, if you finish within that three-foot circle, you're done for that, but you had to, to accomplish all. And the kids, when we first started doing that, they would be like, Coach, this is impossible. I said, maybe, maybe not. If you don't I love it. the way she says that, too. Like, just, you can't really tell whether she's being serious or not. <laughs> like maybe maybe not maybe not you don't know till you try and so they would work at it and today I've known a few of them that have finished it and but the thing is once they started some of them did I mean there were so many drills that they were like coach I hate you right now <laughs> I'm like why because I can't finish this I've been here for four hours and and I'm like well are you getting better yeah but it's hard I'm like well Hard is good because many people won't do hard, and that's where you're going to come out on top. I think one thing that I'm, I'm loving hearing just from a person who has most recently been a starting amateur at the game is that there's still tons of parallels to people no matter what age you, you really are. There is going to be a struggle that you're going to have to go through if you want to get better. There is going to be adversity. There is going to be, like, remember when we out and played Crazy Eights? the other uh, a couple months ago um which we described on a, on a past podcast but there, there's just so many similarities it's not just juniors and so for the people who are listening to this you can apply all of these principles to your own game yeah and i think there's a balance between you notice that she didn't say every single thing that she does is all difficult impossible all the time because there needs to be success um <clears throat> I've seen some beautiful models. Operation 36 is actually coming out with a book um, about how they develop juniors, and they have a, a beautiful chart in the book about, you know, if something's easy, um, 
and they have a lot of success with it versus something that's difficult. There's a, there's a line in there that's too far. Like you do need to have some success. Uh, I'm looking over here at this gentleman. Sometimes we'll make his practices way too hard. I was like, dude, you got to have some wins here. Like if you don't have wins, you can't build confidence without wins, but you can't build mental toughness and you can't build further confidence without adversity either. Like there's this weird line that we try to walk. Trying I, think, to do both. I think there's two sides to it as well. I mean, there's a, there's a game I give uh, some of my players to play, um, and it's two-ball better ball and two-ball worse ball. Uh, two-ball worse ball is so hard. Two-ball so worse ball is really hard. But there's also a part of the two-ball better ball where you have two sh- you hit two shots, pick the best, is the opposite, right? And one of my players asked me, why, why, why do this? Because, I mean, everyone can play better. But I said, but this game shows you your potential. Mm-hmm. Wow. Because yeah. you hit both shots. <clears throat> totally. I've done the same. I think I took that one from her, but, like, I've done the He's same. He's taken a lot of stuff I from know, me. I know. I take Stolen. a lot. That's right. But it's so good because do you do the two – do you do the worst ball first and then the better ball after, or do you uh, do it de- separately? It, depen- it, depends on, it depends on the kid. Okay. Uh, some kids need that confidence boost because – it's woe is me. I, I, I stink at this game and I can't play. And so they need the two ball, better ball. You put them on That's two right. ball, worse ball, they're going to be worse. I imagine there's also a student too who just wants to be better so bad to where you can probably push them a little bit. Nor- normally the two ball, worse ball is when the kid is, is solid already or yeah. the player is solid sure. and they want a greater challenge. And I'm like, okay, let's see how good you are mentally. And the two ball, worse ball is the one that will challenge their mental game. It'll hit every possible facet. If you have Correct. a weak spot in your mental game, it'll hit it. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's we got to film some content this fall where we do some of these things. Yeah. No, it, it's, it's wonderful. Uh, that's why I've developed Crazy 8s, um, which is – I'm going to share with Sue outside the podcast, but Crazy 8s is – designed to be crazy because there's performance like depending on how well you do it's a wedge game you've got three shots from three different yardages um, three different yardage ranges and the goal is to score eight or better like you get the short one up and down from next to the green and you're trying to shoot eight or better so like get threes from the other don't make force like we're any inside of 100 yards we're not making force like we can't make force and so it's for a better more accomplished player but if you if certain things go wrong, you three-putt one or you don't get on the green on one uh, or you score anything above an eight, like there are performance penalties that apply to the next 24 hours. So you have 24 hours to complete exercise. Based on your weakness, I'm not just going to go, hey, go do push-ups or go do whatever. Like you're going to actually go work on that area that you are weak in. And if you don't do well, if you don't complete that exercise in that next 24 hours, the penalties stop for that and you have a new set for the final. So it's actually a 48-hour exercise. That's, but it's more of my elite juniors, college players who are already putting in the time and are practicing yeah. enough days to do that. But it's, they hate it when they first do it. Like, I should be able to get eights everywhere. It shouldn't be a problem. Well, I want you to get sevens, not eights. There's penalties if you just get eights. Like, you got to get some sevens in there, um, turning three shots into two and no fours. They'll make like three fours in their first, three or four fours in their first one. They're like, I don't make fours. I made one five. Like, what is this? I was like, what happens to you when you play in tournaments? That double that you made, you hit it in the trees and you punched it out to 80 yards and then you took five shots from there. Mm-hmm. Like, right. that happens. Like, you can't do that. So it's, it's a wonderful – I've enjoyed it and I've got a couple of college programs that are starting to put it in, which is kind of fun. Nice. And their players don't like it either. 
<laughs> I'm curious from a uh, from a developmental standpoint, if and when you have seen a a kid go from when you first first started coaching them to they want to go play at the next level or they are playing at the next level. What does that progression look like? And what are some, some character traits that that person has had to then achieve success down the road? I don't think it's ever the same. That's, that's, that's the hard part. Cause again, we're talking about individuals. Um, I think the, what I do notice with a progression, again, I, I haven't really been teaching enough players to hit the professional level yet. Uh, some of my professional students are were already professionals or were about to hit professional level uh, when they came to see me. So uh, taking a kid from, from ground zero all the way to professional level, uh, I've been, I haven't, haven't been doing it long enough. <laughs> but I think there's, there's, there's a couple of kids now that are just finishing up college that I started working with them as juniors. Um, that are kind of, you know, kind of uh, thinking about uh, professional golf. But I think the one key factor that I think is, is really important if they're going to make it is their ability to work. Um, I, think, I think a lot of it, a lot of times we talk about talent and their ability to score, which is great. But unfortunately, when you get out on tour, there are a ton of talented people out there. There are a lot of talented people out there. I, I, I know I'm, I kind of made a funny um, uh, in the last podcast about um, coming out and saying, yeah, you know, I was All-American and I was, you know, this great college player. And you go out there and I was like, yes, so is everybody else out here. <laughs> so, and that was true. And even when I was on, out on tour, it's like All-American, 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 All-American. And it's like, yeah, everyone's an All-American out here. Big deal, right? So um, you just, at some point, you have to learn how to outwork someone. You, you gotta, you, it doesn't mean you have to be there from sunup to sundown because um, there were a number of players that did that, but, and all they did was get hurt. Um, but it's being smart about how you practice, um, putting in the, the, right, um, the, the practice in the right areas, um, and knowing how to work effectively. Um, I think there are some players that just work themselves to the bone, but, but they're kind of spinning their wheels. So unless you know exactly how to, to point yourself in the right direction sometimes, and that's where your coach comes in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's coach and stats and like being able to track those things. And you know, the fun part, um, I'm gonna shout out to my second book, Golf Decoded, is sometimes you actually don't need to work anymore. You actually need to learn how to use the shots you have and hit them in better places. And so I find a lot of players, especially once they get up into those college ranks and those high-level junior ranks, like, yes, is there still more skill to be developed? Absolutely. Like, there's still more nuance. Like, there's like, even to hear Tiger as he develops, he's like, I go and learn from Bryson. Like, there's still, like, there's still nuance that's out there um, to discover. But there's, like, strategic placement of the golf ball like are we missing that piece is there something there is that we can actually measure strategic ability and where are you missing those key points and how do we how can we connect those dots you know it's fun to see i've got a couple of guys at one of the college programs they're now captains and they're like everybody's doing this like we don't care whether they want to do it or not like 
we know this stuff works. When we miss the BPN, we don't get up and down as much. We don't make putts as much. Even if it's from eight feet, we are less likely to make it from there because it's on the wrong side. It has nothing to do with uphill or downhill, left or right. It actually has to do with sometimes this is an uphill down. Sometimes it is a downhill. So, like, there's a, there's a direct correlation to where that ball is placed. So, like, when guys first start doing it, when their first team first started doing it, I have the stats in there. They're hitting six or seven out of 18 BPNs. And I remember Elijah talking about it. And he said, they're doing worse than chance gives them to do. <laughs> like you could just aim it somewhere up there. Just by pure chance, you get on it half the time. So like they're missing key components to understanding how to take with the skills that they have and apply them to the golf course. So there's more. It's about being intentional. You've got to know practicing more could be what you need. Practicing less on the right stuff might be what you need. Right. I mean, I think, um, again, statistics is great, um, but it's great if you only if you look at it. <laughs> uh, I, I have kids that have come to me, and I'm like, do you do stats? Yeah. Well, where are they? Oh, it's in my it's, – it's, it's in a book. I just keep all of it in there. I'm like, well, do you analyze it? No, I just do it and just stick it in there. I'm like, well, that's might as well not do it. <laughs> and so, you know, I've 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 kind of made it a, a, a necessity now for them to do it, and it's it's hard to get them to start because it's like oh, I don't see the point in it. And then, you know, I I, I use this great program now, um, and we've been we've been um, it's when they start getting the feedback from the program, you need to focus on this. And they were like, oh, okay, I'll go practice that. So, um, but yeah, I mean, statistics are, are, are so important. Um, but again, is that attention to detail again, right? So, so many times kids that come, they just don't, they don't want to do that little bit extra because it's a pain in the butt. Well, so to that point, to try and tie it into to our listener, right, is <clears throat> why people come up to the, take a golf lesson, they'll be like, oh, like, what do you want to work on? I want to work on my driver, Okay. Well, what does your driver do? Well, it's kind of hit it all over the place. Well, what does that mean? What do you mean hit it all over the place? Well, you know, I just hit it to the left a lot. Well, to the left or to the right or like what, like what, which way, you know? Or sometimes they come in like, okay, what do you want to work on? Well, I don't know. What do you mean? What am I, do you have any stats for me? No. I was like, what? I mean, let's go work on your short game. <laughs> you know, like, can we hit it in the fairway and can we hit our wedge shots in putt? Like, we need to know. Like, it's important to know. It helps us and it helps them. This is what I was going to ask Sue I is that in your time on tour, or just in your time in college tour, junior, is there a specific part of your game that you know you are just a wizard at? And did you ever set yourself up in situations to where you could use that talent or ability? Like, was it short game? Was it putting? Was it your iron play? Uh, I think it kind of varied. I was I was a decent ball striker. Um, I would, you know, hit like 10, 11 fairways, uh, 14, 12 to 14 greens. I mean, it's just okay, not, not super wizard. Uh, I think I went through a spell where I was really not hitting it well, so I became very good with my short game. <laughs> it's just out of self-defense. Um, but I was never really a good putter. I was I was okay, but it was never a strong suit for me. 
so taking something like that, like putting, like how how do you work around that? Like how do you? You just you just have to spend more time on it. I mean, you you there's you you know. <laughs> Sometimes the best answer is the simplest answer. Right. I mean, for me, it was it was. I knew. I just didn't need to shoot myself in the foot with my putting. So three putts had to be eliminated. In my world, if I can get super good within five feet, then all I had to do was get that first putt within five feet. <laughs> and that's a two putt. <laughs> I was about to say, or just spin your wedges closer to the hole. <laughs> just get, uh, or just chip in. in. Yeah, or, or chip, chip in. in. Or chip in. Chip my, in, my, in. My, 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 if, if, I, if I can hit to around the green uh, within maybe three or four steps, which makes the green slightly larger, uh, my chances of chipping in were pretty decent. I used to do this uh, drill with one of, the, uh, one of Hank's interns, and we would do these drills called knocking down tees. And we would, uh, we would tee a golf ball up on the green, and we would be off we would be off the green and we would chip and try to hit the knock the tee and the ball would fall off that's so great why haven't we done that scott i forgot about it it's it's uh, one of the best uh short game drills but it is also one of the most annoying short game drills because that tee is very thin compared compared to a flag stick and so, so small. you have to knock that tee down, to, to knock that tee at the, with the right amount of speed so the ball falls off. Well, I used to do that for a short, medium, and long chip. Oh, my God. I would, the so long chips would be forever, dude. It would be five steps from, from where I was, from five steps from the edge of the green, ten steps from the edge of the green, and 15 steps from the edge of the green. Oh, my God. Okay? So we would have to do two from each to end the short game practice. Oh, my. So this intern and I would be doing that, and we would set up. So each of us had our own line, right? T, T, T. And um, we would be racing to finish. And after doing that, I chipped in. She chipped in, like, twice in a round. She's like, oh my gosh, I started chipping in for birdies. I almost <laughs> wanted to miss the green. <laughs> Can I just miss the screen because I'm going to chip it in? Yeah. yeah. And so till today, it's interesting, even though I don't get to practice a whole lot, um, when I'm doing like chipping with my staff, I'll be like, you, you just get that feel. You're standing over it. And I'm like, oh, okay, this one's going in. And true enough, it'll go in. I'll say, I'll say this. Talking, the college players I've had over the last many years, I think one of the things that's missing from a lot of maybe not necessarily top-tier college programs, which that's still a very small segment of the population, right? That's just that's the cream of the cream. Only six players these days in some programs. Yeah, and but I think what's missing is this higher level of difficulty in their practice. Like, they don't like the practice. Like, this is dumb. We're just hitting – we got to hit – 20 balls inside of a target from 60 yards like what am I doing this for like it's it's actually not challenging enough and or it's just staying there hitting the same shot it's like okay I completed next like there doesn't seem to be enough challenge and there's not enough fun like that's actually 
fun. Like you can do it against each other. Right, especially when you have someone you're racing against. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it can be fun. The competitiveness comes out. Yeah, yeah, there's that back to that competitiveness thing. Um, but but I think even for the average person, like you can create those same types of things in your own practice. Kind of see where you're at. Track your stats first. Like where am I? Like if I make a lot of three putts, maybe it's just like, hey, let's see who goes along longest without three putting on this green, on a practice green. Like you can come oh, over I wherever your skill is. I got a good new game uh, for putting. But <laughs> anyway, I'll tell you later. Um, so, you know, you, you have to create challenges in your practice. I generally think that um, actually a book called Greatness that uh, Scott Spector got me. Uh, you may remember Scott. Um, it's greatness, and it's by um, who was it that wrote Five Days in Utopia? Seven Days in Utopia. Five days. <laughs> Why five? Seven Days in Utopia. But in his book, Greatness, it's a plain white cover, lowercase. Like, it's not designed to be fancy. Like, if you're going to read this, this is my experience as a performance coach. Um, he said. Golf is the worst practice sport on the planet as a whole. Like, there, there are spots that do it better, but, like, we don't create adversity. We don't create stress. We don't. And, like, yeah, doing push-ups is, like, one way to elevate heart rate, but, like, there's more. There's better ways to do that than just doing push-ups and getting your heart rate up. Like, you have to add stress. Like, what we did this summer with our Nike junior camps, I've got 24 kids here. We've got them split up amongst different teachers and coaches, and, we do a putting contest right before lunch and we narrow it down by, they all put to the edge of the green at the same time. The, we start eliminating people and then we're down to three. Well, those three go into a three hole putting contest. You know, all the sports psychology stuff about taking deep breaths, taking time, doing a routine. They all do it. Like we didn't even teach them to like, you see them go and we stand all the other kids around. So there's 20 kids standing around plus us coaches. And they're like, like, you can see them do all the techniques that, like, it, we don't have to give them all these lists of things that they have to learn if we actually put it in them that they naturally know how to do anyway. Yeah. And so once they get to college, because we haven't put any adversity on them or not enough, like, you have to teach all this stuff. Like, there's just so many layers they have to go through. Yeah. Now we got breathing techniques. Now we got this. Like, and I think that kids are smart. Kids are really smart. I think that goes back to what I was saying last episode where, I, where I, we were talking about players just have it and I was saying how I was saying how I think there is a point in your life where you just can't teach that anymore but you can teach it up to that point and I think that's kind of what I was going for is that I think there's you have to put so many things into a child's mind or into a person's mind for them to become for them to become fluent in them and to, to lean on them enough but when you get to such an age I think there's too many environmental factors to where you just can't input all of that information into them at that point and that that was my that's my perception of it but i'm curious i, I think some of sometimes kids as, as you said kids kids are amazing yeah uh they they pick up on a lot of things verbal and nonverbal. Mm -hmm. and so sometimes it's just a matter of them watching someone else and go oh maybe i should try that is that plastic and it's not even though, that yeah. conscious either yeah it's sometimes. not it's not conscious they just pick it up yeah um one of the fun games, you know, you talk about making golf stressful, <laughs> practice stressful. Uh, one of the things is uh, what I do is, is, is called the annoying co um, commentator. <laughs> <laughs> and so what I do when I set the kids a target to, to accomplish, like, you know, whether it's like hit the green however many times on the driving range, 
uh, I'd be walking the range and I'd be, I'll be pretending like I'm one of those commentators on TV and it messes with them. And then the first thing they'll tell me is, coach, stop it. I'm like, why? Because I can't hit when you do that. And I say, well, then you're not learning how to control your mind. And then they go, oh, well, let's try it. And so I keep talking, and eventually they learn how to zone it out. And I said, here's the thing. You can zone me out, and that's great, but the problem is how good are you at zoning out that voice in your head that you, that's, that's even louder than what I'm saying. The question is, can you control what's going on in your mind? That's such a helpful, tangible thing for them to see of like you, your voice being something that's like tangible, like I can grab onto it rather in their head. It's kind of, it can get kind of swirly, but like then they can, then they have something they can attach to. Okay. I could block that out. Now I can, now I can control this. Like I have one of my college players. um, She's like, I just like think the worst thing all the time. I was like, because you never learned to discipline, you never learned how to shut it up. And so she's learning that and she's getting more control over that. And she's learning like, as it comes in, like, I don't have to keep it. Like, no, you don't get to stay. And like, you start to sound like you're, you know, you got two different personalities, but we, we all have those voices. And sometimes they come out of nowhere. Sometimes they're, they're the same. They have these repeated mantras. We have to. Well, sometimes it's, it's something helpful, right? Like watch out for that. Watch out. There's water on the right. It's, it's helpful. It's, it's not meant to be bad, but the, the brain doesn't have a no-no button. It's, and it's like, watch out for that water on the right. Well, guess where your brain is now? Water on the right. I just, my, as soon as she started saying that, I was going through my head where, like, my, first thing my brain did was, like, what hole out here has water on the right? Like, I actually had a picture of a hole where, like, in front of the green, it goes like this, and there's water here. I'm like, do we have a hole like that? Like, that... Two, and that happened nine. in like three seconds. Like right. the, my brain just went boom right. to that situation. But if you ask me to not think about that, I, like even just making that phrase that had that same picture of that thing, like. Well, and that's one thing that because remember, um, what were we talking about? Your your student who sang the song because they were like, oh, oh yeah. song, like, they sang the song. I had a guy on my college team. We had this hole where you couldn't even hit it in the right half of the fairway because you didn't have a shot. And that whole bother, bothered him a ton. And he came up with his own, like, coach never told him to. He came up with his own thing. It was, uh, is it Beyonce? Or it was like, to the left, to the left, everything you own in the box to the left. Like, he sang that song. And you could hear him whisper it to himself, to the left, to the left. And every single time we stepped up to that hole, like, on that tee shot, that was his thing. He never hit it right. You could go anywhere left. I mean, there's maybe, like, one or two little trees over there. But, like, you could hit it pretty much anywhere to the left. And everything in his mind, he was not he was trying to not go right but his mind was do go left which is a different thing different because your brain comprehends left. yes but they, it can't comprehend well, no again that's th- th- that's the other extreme right but i think for 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 um the most part i think what's more important is where do you want to go yeah where do you want to go like it's like that diana ross song right do you know where you're going to <laughs> okay sorry so so it's i'm I'm aging myself (laughs) 
That's that's okay. <laughs> I don't listen to hardly any music anyway anymore. Um, Go find it on Spotify. I will. Right. I will. Uh, Maybe no, I'll, just, I'll break out the vinyl. You're right. Like, like Ouch. we don't go on trips and make a list of the places we don't want to go on the trip. Right. I mean, you know, it's like you, you don't drive down the road going, all right, miss that bike. All right, let's 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 go to the left. Let's go to the curb here. I mean, no, you're just like, that's where I want to go. That's where I go. Well, and every every ever since Scott told me that story, whenever I've gotten up to a hole, it doesn't matter where I'm playing, Bridge, Alabama, different course here in Nashville. I think about that story, and, and all I, I'm pretty good at laser focusing on something. And I was like, all right, if I can't miss it right, let's just focus on hitting it down the middle. And I guess maybe that just takes time to understand and get, or maybe it takes time hitting it to the right or in the water so many times you're like, I just don't want to go there anymore. I have a really funny story on that. Um, when I was playing on tour, I had to um, do qualifiers for the U.S. Open. And one of the qualifiers I had to play, I didn't get a practice round because I was injured. And Hank said, no, you take the time off, let rest the, the wrist, and, and just play. I'm like, well, I haven't played a practice round. And he goes, you have a caddy, don't you? And I'm like, yeah. He said, well, let him guide you around the golf course. I'm going, okay. So I get on the golf course, never saw the round before, and we're gonna have, we have to do 36 holes on that same golf course. First round I played, he would be like, aim for that tree and hit it this far. Okay, hit there. Now aim for this and hit that. I'm like, and so I just did what he said. I shot 69. Okay? Unbelievable. Now, the second round, same golf course, and he's doing the same thing. But now I've known, I get down to the fairway, I go, oh, there's a bunker here. I'm like, oh, there's, 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 mm, don't want to be here. And I shot 72. Played the same golf course twice. With the same command from... The caddy. Right. But, but now, now I know where the problems are. So your brain's yeah. not the same. Which is also, we've had many a podcast on golf course architecture and how the architect influences your mind when you're playing. And so sometimes it's better when you just don't know. Right. When yeah. you have someone saying, aim for that and hit it there. Mm -hmm. You don't know where the problem is. You just know I'm supposed to hit it there. That's right. <laughs> no, that's so good. And, and we're not going to do it on this podcast, but it does warrant a future podcast of like how to deal with practice rounds if you're going to be a tournament player right and so many of them try and play for a score and it's just like you need to learn the golf course figure out what it is you do want to aim at where are the places you do want to go um that's it's hard to do people do it different ways like uh I remember hank telling stories i think it was furic that like colored in everything red where he didn't want to go and that seems like right. a bad thing but like he right. used that to direct him where he did want to go right. so like there's there's not like a one way to do it other than you need to know where you want to go. Right. All, all my yardage books had, had uh, aim lines off the tee. So I want to go there, aim for this tree or aim for this tree. And I have to draw the tree because it looked weird. <laughs> um, so every, every hole had an aim line and also how far you want it to go. It's, it's kind of funny because very few people think of how far you want to hit it because the, today it's how far hit can I hit it, right? Yeah. So, um, but sometimes it's just, I don't know, hitting it out of the rough, or, you know, just trying to, I think there was more shot making uh, when I was playing. Now it's, it's a power game. Yeah, and the, the cool part that I love about that second book is actually we're able to figure out like what you shoot without far, like 
that's actually where you place it. It's not just far. You still have to place it in the correct spot. You can bomb it all day long if you're on the wrong sides. You're still gonna get you're still gonna get caught at some point. It helps to hit it far. It Absolutely. does, but it also not doesn't to help to hit it far and putting yourself into a half wedge, which you're not good at. Right. I I remember watching the uh, the me and my golf guys on on the internet that are out of Europe. I think. They had Dustin Johnson on, and they put him at, like, 45 yards or 50 yards. And, like, he shows how to hit this shot. And he just point blank right at him, like, what do you mean? Like, show us how to hit this shot. He's like, we don't, I don't hit this shot. And they're like, what do you mean you don't hit this shot? This is, like, the hardest shot to hit. We don't hit it here. Right. It's, like, inside of 30 or outside of 60. Like, right. we're just not – we don't hit it here. Right. If we do, it's a total accident and a total fluke. Right. And we're just going to get out of here with our five and be done. That's absolutely right. This is my my last little story to, to book in this podcast is uh, is that we me, Elijah Hudson, and Elijah's brother were actually playing a few hours ago. We stepped up to 10. I pulled a three iron. Every single one of them pulled drivers. And this is a hole that just goes straight. It's just straight 370-ish yards to the green. Uh, excuse me, 11. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, and so I pull out three iron. I actually hit one right down the middle. Everybody's like, oh, great shot, great shot. And I'm like, okay, thanks. It's still like a pretty far way out. And they all hook their drivers, either OB or in the rough. Like even Elijah does. And so I'm like, okay, let's, let's play around with this. Let's see what we got. I've got like 157 yards in. I pull my eight iron. I hit it 10 feet to the pin, and they're all scrambling to get it up and down. And it was just that one of those things right there where it's like, all right, sometimes hitting the big club and being a power game isn't the move all the time. And we talked about this on my uh, speed golf podcast as well, where sometimes you just have to think your way around the golf course differently in a different way. Super eye-opening to me. Well, I think that's where, you know, there's a wonderful um, what am I thinking? interview with Jordan Spieth about the CJ Cup coming up. And he said, you know, looking at certain golf courses out here, like a lot of places in the style of golf courses he's trying to play more of are like there's a number of drivers, a number of fairy woods, and maybe an iron or two. Like he's already kind of got the place mapped out. Um, I remember looking at some data. Uh, this is around when Brody was pumping out his book on Every Shot Counts, which misses the human factor. But other than that, it's pretty good stuff. Um, is... <coughs> Like, if you look at the length of the longest hitters in college, they're longer than the web.com guys, or I guess Corn Ferry guys. The guys on the Corn Ferry Tour are longer than the PGA Tour players. It's not that they can actually hit it farther. It's that the guys on the biggest tour realize that, wow, we can hit it just as far as all you boys. But, like, we're choosing not to because we're choosing to control. Now, they're still hitting it a long ways. I'm not saying they're not hitting, like, a 350-yard drive. Like, it does happen. But, like there's a discipline that they've learned that's far more important than just far. And there are courses where it's like, we just bomb and gouge it. Let's go play TPC Craig Ranch. We're going to, And that's, oh, I remember Hank as well when, when I was working, uh, when he was working with me when I was playing on tour, he would be like, you don't have to hit it 100% every single time. He said, you need to be going at 70, 80%. Um, but... You know, in my young and foolish mind back then, it's like, I need to hit a shorter iron into this green. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I mean, you, you see the wisdom in that later on. Um, and you just have to understand that you don't need to hit it 100% every single time. Because, again, when these players, when they need it, they still have some left in that tank. They can pop it out there. And you've got a lot more energy. Like, 
you're not exhausting yourself by going full out all the time. It's, it's like, funny seeing Rory go like, you know, 315, 320, 335, and then he'll get a hole and it's like 350. You're like, yep, he can pull it out when he wants 80%. it. 80%. <laughs> yeah. And that's a situation in which he can go that way, and the penalty for an error left or right isn't nearly as costly. I love it. So, um, But anywho, I, Suai, thanks for coming. This is great. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks for having me. Um, so if you want to go take a lesson, you have to go to Malaysia to see her. Um, but yeah, I still don't do online lessons yet. <laughs> well, I was about to say, Suai, is there anything that, uh, that you would like to plug on this podcast, anything that you'd like the listeners to go check out? Maybe a favorite book that you like. Favorite book, anything. Not, not of my I can't, two. I can't like, use his book. <laughs> I mean, you can, you can if you want. Uh, but maybe there's, I mean, speaking of mindset, I mean, there's a ton of stuff out there. Is there one that stands out to you that you think would be I mean, beneficial my, for people? I mean, all my, the books that I like are all very old school still. Oh, that's I mean, fine. I'm still, I'm still a Rotella fan. I still like the 15th Club. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm big with the, uh, Vision 54 stuff. Um, they've got some awesome they've, they've stuff. They've got some fantastic stuff. Like every shot must have a purpose. Uh, be, uh, a be a player. That's, that's a good that's one. That's a really good one. Just got some free knowledge right there, guys. Go check those books out. Yeah. <laughs> Especially with the ability to do Kindle and stuff nowadays for next to nothing. Yeah. Considering I'm in Malaysia, I can't get half the books there. Oh, I'll have to ship some over to her. <laughs> um but no, this is this has been great. So thanks for coming. Thanks for your input. As Thank always. you very much. And um, I'll wrap can follow in her footsteps a little bit here. There you so. go. Uh, well, y'all, thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Champions Playbook. As always, please, please, please remember to stop what you're doing right now and rate the podcast. If you're on Spotify, looks like a thumbs up and a follow. If you're on Apple, that means you can subscribe, give us a five-star rating, and write us a review. It really helps us uh, when people are searching for golf podcasts. It really, really helps us. So we want to thank Strixon for sponsoring the Champions Playbook as well as Arcos. Remember to use our Discount code one rule fifteen O N E R U L E one five. So, um, thanks so much, Suai, for coming. Really appreciate it. And uh, y'all, stay tuned for the next episode of the Champions Playbook. Check us out on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Uh, we are really loving putting these out, and we are gonna be going through the end of the year. So we got some awesome guests coming up, and uh, some awesome plans for the podcast. So stay tuned. Uh, we love you guys, and we'll see you on the next one. Peace.